You're listening to our weekly podcast, Getting in the Word with Stuart Guthrie. Stuart is the teaching pastor of Family Bible Fellowship of Ridgeville in Early Branch, South Carolina. We hope to grow together with you, seeking real knowledge from the truth, the Word of God. Here's Stuart. While I pray this morning that you find hope in Jesus Christ, last week, this week, I pray you find the peace of God. Not just any peace, though, a perfect peace. A perfect peace. The birth of this infant, this baby, Jesus brings us hope, but this birth also brings us great peace. So as we talk about peace, what is it that we are talking about? Peace in Hebrews is used 11 different ways. Peace in the Greek is used five different ways. So what peace is it that we are talking about this time of the year? What kind of peace does this child, Jesus Christ, bring about to this world for which we live? And what kind of peace is it that is offered to every single one of us? Peace, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2, can be referred to as the state of being. Peace can also refer to an attribute of a relationship with God. Peace can refer to a greeting or farewell, such as, peace be with you. Peace can also signify the enduring of a conflict. We are now at peace with one another. And so what is it that we are talking about when I say that my desire is for you to obtain peace? This kind of perfect peace that I am talking about. Again, we must have a right view of hope. But I submit that we must also have a right view of peace as well. Contextually, in these days, as they waited for Messiah, they expected an earthly peace upon His arrival. They, they were looking for political peace. Boy, that doesn't seem to fit our day, does it? But notice they didn't get an earthly peace. But it was the one that they longed for. My hope and my passion and my desire is that when you leave here today, that you have a genuine desire for an authentic, biblical, perfect peace that can only come through knowing Christ personally. That's my desire. The problem is, here in the context of John chapter 14, for which is my message, Mark, that I'm preaching, is that they had longed for an earthly peace. They longed for a peace that was a heavenly kind of peace. They wanted what was intended 
for heaven to be gifted to them here on earth. But I'm reminded here in John chapter 14, verse 30, when Jesus reminds, I will speak, I will not speak much longer with you, for the ruler of this world is coming and has nothing in me. This world for which we live is not our home, my friends. We have become way too complacent, way too comfortable with our sojourning that we have made this place our home. And I believe we're all guilty of it. They wanted what was only designed for heaven on earth. And I believe we live in a day and in a culture that desires the same exact thing, and that is peace on earth. For which is only designed for the kingdom of God. So what kind of peace are we expecting Jesus to bring about in your life and in my life today? How was Jesus to incorporate peace into His ministry as He came and He left the confines of heaven and became a man. You know, the song that we sing during Christmas, I don't know if we sing it here, but I sing is how many kings have left their throne and become a man and dwelt among us. What kind of peace and how has His peace influenced His ministry in your life and in my life? The coming of Jesus as Messiah, listen, is expected to guide our feet into the way of peace. Luke chapter 1, verse 79. The angelic testimony to the shepherds proclaims Jesus is the bringer of God's peace unto man. Luke 2, 14. But, but let's throw a little wrench into things. To, to clarify that I believe in our culture we have a misunderstanding of what kind of peace it is that God wants for your life. Because Jesus said in Luke 12, 51, that He was not bringing peace, but division. So there must be a false peace that has permeated these people and many of us as well. But there also must be a true peace. So the question that you and I have to ask ourselves is how are we to know this perfect kind of peace? I mean, this is a long expected peace of God that Jesus is supposed to give to us as His children. It is a farewell gift to those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. It's a farewell gift given to these disciples that we find in John chapter 14 in the upper room discourse. For which we see it offered a peace that is only found in Jesus. It's what we're going to look at today in this upper room discourse. Pointing specifically to John chapter 14, verse 27, here in the upper room. There are a few things that take place 
as we see our way through the context of where we find. Now, we've worked about two years through the book of John, and we actually ended with John chapter 14, verse 15. And what better way to start out after our series on Titus back into John chapter 14 with peace. Because here in John chapter 14, first we see in verses 1 to 6 that, that, that Christ gives a promise. But they are discouraged, they're scared, they're worried. And what does He say? Don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in Me. In My Father's house there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. He said, for I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will bring you to Myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And so He comforts His disciples. Because they have no idea where He's going. All they know is that their beloved teacher has said he is departing and where he is going they cannot come. At least not for the moment. They don't like the sound of that. So he offers them peace by giving them a promise, by telling them that he is going to prepare a place for them. And he wants to know, he wants them to know he's leaving heaven, but he'll come again and receive them so that they and he will be together. Same promise for you and for me to those who are in Christ. He will come again and receive you to himself. So that where he may be, you may be also. Encouragement was that they would not be separated forever. But they don't get it. And so he continues in verses 7 to 11 the reality that he is revealing the Father to them. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. How can you say, show me the Father? Do you not know that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? If you've seen him, you've seen me. Why? Because he is God in flesh, dwelt among us. He says, Next, here in verses 12 to 13, it gives them the privilege of prayer. Whatever you ask in my name, that I will do so that the Father, what may be glorified in the Son. And then in verses 16, really to the end, you have the promise of perfect peace. It, 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 it all accumulates and burst forth in there in verse 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives you do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. What better message today than that? Because I don't know about you, but the world I live in, people are losing their minds. They are scared to death of dying. The death rate on humanity is 100%. You will all die. The question is when? I have no idea. God knows. There is a, a time that is appointed for man once to die, and then comes the judgment. What are we scared to death about? So he offers them peace. In verses 16, really to 31, 
in which He promises the Holy Spirit. The perfect peace, my friends, is the Holy Spirit. Now now look here in verse 16. I will ask the Father, and He will give you another advocate that He may be with you forever. I want you to notice there in verse 16 the triunity of God that exists. I, Jesus, will ask the Father and He will give you another advocate. That's the priestly aspect of Jesus which the priest goes before God Almighty and stands on behalf of the people. That's what Jesus does. He is your high priest. And He is going to ask the Father to provide an advocate that will be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. He is the Spirit of truth because He is truth. He isn't your theory. He isn't your thought process. He is the truth. Thy Word is truth. He is going to bring about the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Because it does not see Him or know Him, you know Him because He abides with you and be will be in you. Listen, my encouragement for you this morning is if you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, you could never experience this kind of peace. But when the Spirit of God comes and takes up residence in your heart, watch out! Because that is the one whom God will use to do His great and mighty works. Why? Because He will be a man and woman who are fearless. They won't tremble. So He promises the Spirit of God. The eternality of the Spirit of God is a person, by the way, not a thing or an it. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. So He promises He's coming back. He reveals the Father to them. He grants them the privileges of prayer previously. And now He promises you and me and them that He will send the Helper, the Holy Spirit. And the final promise that Jesus makes here is found in our verse of text this morning. John 14, 27. We see the Lord promises peace. Look with me this morning at John 14, 27. He says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Peace I leave with you. There is no doubt that Jesus is departing here. He is preparing for the cross that will come very quickly after this upper room discourse. Now we look at it and it takes a long time as we study through the Scriptures. But it was really quickly upon Him, this crucifixion. And He is going away and the disciples cannot follow Him. But just like any good father that loves his children and any friend whom you love, as He is departing, leaves the disciples with a gift. It's the gift of peace. It's a perfect It's a gift that keeps on giving even into our day. One that they would need as they watched the crucifixion unfold. This child born in whom we celebrate during this Christmas season was born in this world. 
to take your place in my place. But before he does that, he offers a gift, a perfect peace through his death, burial, and resurrection. So this peace, a gift that would calm their troubled hearts and ease their fears as Jesus departs, is a gift that He offers to us. Now I know it's Christmas season and there will be many gifts that are offered to you this year. I received one today in my office. It was a bottle of Chick-fil-A sauce. You see, they know my heart. (laughs) There will be many gifts given on your behalf because they love you and care for you and they know the desires of your heart. There will be a lot of gifts, but I pray that this gift for which God gives, He gifts you with hope, peace, Enjoy. This is a gift that will protect you. This is the gift of the Holy Spirit. You'll be celebrating on whatever day you decide to spend time with the family and unwrap those gifts. Whatever day that is. And you'll have a wonderful day morning or afternoon with family and loved ones. But I wonder how many of us will remember the most extraordinary gift of all. The most timely gift. The most valuable gift that was given unto men so many years ago. My peace, Jesus says, I give to you. How many need that peace today? How many are lacking peace? Lacking a peace that surpasses all understanding. That will guard your hearts and your mind in Christ Jesus. This peace was given. It wasn't given because of something you've earned. It wasn't given because you had to jump through some theological hoop or graduate from some seminary or read your Bible in a year. It wasn't given to you based off of your deeds and your efforts. It was given because of grace and mercy. I didn't deserve it. You didn't deserve it. But boy, wasn't it a timely gift. A necessary gift. And it's no different today You can't earn peace. You can't live a good enough life to get this kind of peace. You can't check off some box and be guaranteed and granted this surpassing peace. You can't read it in some book. You can't perform some act. You can't get it for being part of some world peace organization. No, this is a divine peace. It's a private peace. Peace. Not everyone has it, my friends. Not everyone will get it either. I wish everybody would obtain it. It's kind of why I do what I do for a living. It's because I want everybody to experience the peace of God in your life.
but it isn't obtainable on your own. And you certainly can't buy it. It's given to you and to me. Christ is the giver of this peace, but it's promised to only those that are in Christ. So it was promised long ago. Psalm 29, 11 says, The Lord will give strength to His people. The Lord will bless His people with peace. Jesus has given the gift of peace. I happen to believe it's offered to all. It's sufficient for all, but only efficient to those who put their faith in Jesus Christ. How that unfolds is above my pay grade, my job. Your job is to preach the good news of Jesus Christ. Offer the world Jesus Christ through faith in Him. He will give you hope and He will give you peace. But I can't do that for you. I can only tell you about it. It's God who gives that gift. So let me ask you, are living in peace this morning? Because the Lord says that He will bless His people with peace. Maybe you're here this morning and the news of the Omicron has got you all messed up. Or maybe we're still super concerned with COVID, scared to death, crippled by fear, or maybe you're worried that, oh, you know, the sky's falling like Chicken Little. Maybe you're worried the market's going to crash and you're going to lose everything you've got. Maybe you're worried because you didn't get a good report from the doctor. Or maybe you're worried because your children have not received Christ. Maybe you're worried because you haven't accomplished everything in life you feel that you have been designed to accomplish. Or maybe you're worried because someone has threatened you personally. Whatever it is, He has promised peace to those that would find refuge in Him. Jesus says, I give you peace. Are you living in peace this morning? The question is, are you living in peace? I, I want nothing more than for you to take hold of this genuine, authentic, divine, God-given gift of a perfect peace. There are really three things I think about when we are dealing with the idea of taking hold of this peace that Jesus offers, that Jesus gives. And first, I want you to see the nature of this peace. Secondly, the source of this peace. And thirdly, the channel of this peace. That was my introduction, by the way. All joking aside, most sermons would be done by now. The peace that Jesus promised to give, my friends, to leave, to offer you, is a peace of quiet conscience. Look at Romans chapter 8. Flip over to Romans chapter 8, and we're going to look at verses 33. 
to 35. Listen, this is a peace for which we see here. Who will bring charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is He who died. Yes, rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God and who intercedes for us. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will affliction? Will turmoil? Will persecution or famine or nakedness or pearl or sword? Listen, this is a piece of quiet consciousness. That in the midst of all of those things, you and I have a peace. Who will bring charges against you? Who is the one that condemns? Who will separate you from the love of God? Nothing will. And that should give us an assurance, a peace. This is a peace that is a restful mind. And that's why the Scripture says in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will what? It will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Everything that deals with peace is connected to a personal relationship with Christ. Do you have that kind of peace today? It's a peace of a surrendered will. It's a peace of a hopeful heart. It's a peace of loving fellowship. He has offered you. He has given you peace. But can you say, yes, I'm living this peace? Can you say, I'm complete? I am satisfied? I am at peace with my circumstances? I might not like the circumstances, but I am at peace to know that God is sovereign over my itty-bitty life and my itty-bitty problems because He is Almighty God and He is sovereign over every element. He knows the number on my head or the lack on that bald spot. He's God. And He's able to give you peace even in the midst of whatever it is you're facing. And I know many of you are facing difficulties, struggles, trials, temptations, impossible circumstances. But what kind of example will you be if you walk around in fear? No, we need to have peace. We need to have peace. Because there is a difference, listen to me very clearly, between a political peace or an earthly peace and a godly peace, a perfect peace. One is obtained by works or by the wisdom of man and the other is obtained as a gift from the giver of peace, Almighty God. Which one have you taken hold of? 
Because I promise you this, you and I are just alike in this fashion. That when difficult days come, and they will, you will grab hold of worldly peace, or you will take hold of godly peace. And one will give you comfort, and give you temporal satisfaction, but will leave you lacking and malnourished. The other will give you an eternal hope that will make you fearless. It will give you the ability to walk through the fire knowing that Jesus is with you. And it will give you an opportunity to be a witness for Christ to those that don't have peace, that don't have hope, that don't know Christ. And it will give you the opportunity for people to look to you as what someone can experience who puts their faith in Jesus Christ. Is your peace an earthly peace? Given you by the things of this world to make you feel good? To, to give you peace about your job, about your friends, about having nice things? Peace and earthly things or earthly securities. I'll tell you how you know. How would you be if those things were taken from you? How do you act when tribulations come? We'll tell you everything you need to know about where your peace is. I, I, I could... Ask by way of raising hands who has walked through difficulties in life. And I'm willing to bet you from the youngest to the oldest, everybody could probably raise their hands. Why? Because in this life there will be troubles. There will be turmoil. That, that's a promise, by the way. We forget to mention that to those who put their faith in Christ. But they're coming. And how you handle them... You will be an example to the world around you. Will you still be at peace if everything falls apart? Will you stand firm in your faith if it looks grim? Listen, I've watched people in my life walk in peace after losing everything. We see Paul in the Scriptures. I love the Apostle Paul because, boy, he is a, a bold one for Christ. He's, in, he's willing to endure sufferings for the sake of Christ. Remember that missionary journey for which he was preaching the Gospel, traveling from place to place, and he preached the gospel in one community. They didn't like it, and so he went to the next one. They followed him, and they stoned him and left him for dead outside of the city. But he gets up, and he goes back. What does that say? My man has a peace. That he knows no matter what happens on this side of heaven, he's going to be all right. Because to live is Christ, to die is what? Gain. Do we believe that? You see, when you have that kind of peace, there's nothing God can't do, use you to accomplish for His kingdom. 
But we have to ask ourselves the question. We have to personalize it. Where is it this morning we genuinely get our peace from? I can't answer that for you, and you can't answer that for me, but you have to be honest with yourself. Our peace should come from the Lord and should be in the Lord. Jesus promised, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives do I give to you. Listen, this presupposes that the, that the world's offer uh, of some kind of peace that is fake, that is phony, it, it's, it's like fool's gold. I was out yesterday shrimping, fishing, with Richard Porcelli. And the shrimp looked like they were there on the screen. But every time I would throw, there wouldn't be nothing down there. And I just kept throwing and throwing and throwing. I'm thinking, at what point in my mind am I going to come to the reality they're not down there? Right? But what was happening is I was chasing what I thought to be true and had a hope that they would be down there. And eventually I had to depart a board operation and find somewhere else that I could pinpoint what I thought to be true on the bottom. Listen, the world offers you a false peace. But know this, it's fake and it's phony. If the world could offer you peace, then why all of the weapons of mass destruction? Peace, peace. But be ready with the nuke. Peace, peace, but be ready with the automatic weapons. Peace, peace. It's a facade, my friends. This world can offer you no peace at all. But Christ can offer you an everlasting peace. Really, this word peace is not a term referring to the deficiencies of difficulties or lack of life risk. Or lack of warfare. It's not that it's offering you the lack of absence of emotional tension or that lacking of hard times and difficult circumstances. Rather, it's in an all-encompassing term. Meaning that you and I, if we have the Spirit of God who is living in us, that Christ has offered to you and to me, that we can find peace in the midst of all of those things. John 16, These things I have spoken to you, so that in me you may have peace. Not in your things, not in your circumstances, but in Jesus Christ, because He is over all of those things. In the world you will have tribulation. But take courage. What's the opposite of courage? Fear. What is our world struggling with? A lack of courage. Fear. And I posted this morning, when fear moves in, faith moves out. They cannot cohabitate with one another. So where are you this morning? It's all God-centered. This true, genuine peace that He has given. 
This is the nature of this peace. But understand, here's the nature of peace. We must understand that, but we must also grasp the source of peace. Secondly, look at Romans 5.1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Boy, you could preach a, a message right there, couldn't you? Having been justified, declared right. Justification is a legal term. When you were born in this world, Psalm 51.5 says, you were born into iniquity. In your mother's womb, you were conceived into sin. That means every single one of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And Isaiah 59.2 says, our sins have made a separation between us and God. And if we are not justified... Through Jesus Christ, we will be unjustified, therefore declared guilty. We don't want that, by the way. We need to be justified by your works, by your deeds, by giving money to the church, by blessing us with your appearance here in this wonderful facility, by going out and giving to the poor, Doing A, B, C. No, of course not. You are justified by faith. By faith. I'm reminded of Paul's experience on the road to Damascus. When he sees Jesus there, brighter than the heavens, they shone down on his companions. And what does he say? I'm sending you to the Gentiles. Paul, this is Jesus, by the way. I'm sending you to the Gentiles so that you may open their eyes, so they may turn from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, that they might receive forgiveness for their sins who are set apart by faith in me. This peace that surpasses all understanding that will guard your heart. Listen, it's because you have been justified, declared right before a holy and righteous God, you must be as perfect as God to get to heaven. You say, how is that possible? He who knew no sin became sin on your behalf, that you might become the righteousness of God in Him. So when God sees you, who does He see? You know He sees Christ. Are you covered in the blood of the Lamb? He didn't ask who was in the house, did he? At the Passover? I'm sure old Bobby was in there, had a bunch of kids. Oh, I'm fearful. Did, did you hear the death angels coming? And Scotty over here, that's all right, brother. God's got you. Both were in the house when the angel passed over. Both were covered in the blood of the Lamb. And thus, it's not so much about who's in the house, but who's covered in the blood. Because I don't know about you, but I'm a work in progress. I'm, a, I'm the pastor, one of, but I'm still human. And I still live in the same world you live in with the same struggles and the same temptations because there is no temptation that's overtaking you but what that which is common to man. And Jesus is my escape just like He is your escape. And Jesus is my peace just like He's offered you His peace. We need to have this perfect peace. What's the source? 
Romans 15, 33 says, Now the God of peace be with you all. What's the source? It's God. It's, it's Christ. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the triunity of God. If you come today and you have not peace, this perfect peace, you may not have Christ. You may not know Him personally. Or if you come and you own an imperfect peace that's fickle and fading away and is tossing you to and fro by every whim of doctrine that exists. Listen, you can't have perfect peace of Christ without Christ. You can have a worldly peace that is fickle and fading and one day will end. But with Christ, you can have true peace, a peace of God. Christ, listen, is the source of our peace. Why do we celebrate Christmas? Why do we talk about peace? Because God sent His Son into the world that you might have peace. You see, the peace that the birth of Messiah brings is a peace that God fashions and offers. This is a peace with God. Sin separates. This child born into the world gave us the ability to be reconciled to God. And when you, your dead soul, has become alive in Christ, you will be able to contain this peace of God through the power of the Spirit of God living in you. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. This promise of John 14 is that He will invade you and take over you and live and give you victory through your life. It's in His framework that Paul can exhort us with what we find here in 2 Thessalonians 3.16, Now may the Lord of peace Himself continually grant you peace in every circumstance. The Lord be with you all. The peace that the world offers you, my friends, is shallow. It's unstable. It's unsatisfying. And really, it's a facade. It's false. It talks much about peace, but knows little about peace itself. That's because their peace depends on everything else. It's only surface deep. It's a mirage. 1 Thessalonians 5.3 While they are saying peace and safety, then destruction will come upon them suddenly like labor pains upon a woman with a child and they will not escape. Listen, the reality is this. You can have all of this worldly peace you want, but one day, my friend, God will burst through those clouds with great authority. And He will pour out His wrath and His judgments on those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. What good is earthly peace if you have no peace with God? Because He's coming back. I don't know when. I'm not here to tell you when. I'm simply telling you He's coming. Because the Word of God is truth and He says He will. The world's peace is a figment of our imagination. It's false. It fails under trials. It doesn't stand the test. The 
prosperity gospel, the word of faith movement, this health, wealth, and prosperity, name it and claim it, megahertz and vibrations and all this other Eastern mysticism that's leaking into the body of Christ. It's, it's, it's sad, it's disgusting, it's perverted. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeals among you, which come upon you for your testing, as though some strange thing were happening to you. 1 Peter 4.12 Listen, we will encounter trials. But you see, the peace that Christ offers is irremovable. It's unshakable. It's sustainable. It's everlasting. He says here, it's eternal. I won't leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And after a little while, the world will no longer see me. But you will see me. Because why? I live in you and you live also in me. And then in chapter 15, he's going to talk about the vine and the branch and being connected to Christ. You will have troubles, my friends, in this life. But because we are at peace with God, nothing can take that away. No war, no persecution, no threat, no act of man, no health problem, no disease that infiltrates our world. This baby in a manger brought about an everlasting peace, my friends. And if you're here today and, and in Christ and you're going through issues, listen, you have been given this gift of peace. You simply need the reminder that Christ offers it to you. My peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. If you are at a point in your life where fear is gripping you, be still for a moment. And listen to God's assurance. Peace. Don't be afraid. John 16, 33, I've told you these things so that in me you, have made, you may have peace. It's all about the beauty of Christ. Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him. Stop trusting in man, in the wisdom of man. They will disappoint you over and over and over and over. They will promise you this and promise you that and they will fall short on the promise because they've given you a faulty promise that they can't offer you. But if you take the promise of Christ, Whatever circumstance you face, you can walk through that problem with peace. Because He is true peace. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give. Don't let your heart, He says, be troubled, nor let it be fearful. Here the Lord concludes this section of His discourse, which has been ultimately devoted to the comforting and the mourning of His disciples. Do not let your hearts be, be troubled. Rings all the way back to the beginning, doesn't it, of chapter 14. When they were troubled. What troubles your heart today? Everybody in this room has difficult, different circumstances. Some of you have struggled with some sicknesses. And maybe you thought you weren't going to make it. 
But in Christ, it doesn't really matter if we make it, we're going to make it. <laughs> right? Isn't that a reality? Is there anything else can give you hope in the face of terminal news? I heard uh, Timothy Kel Keller just posted that he has stage four pancreatic cancer. What would you do? What would I do? You know, I'm 43 years old and there's not a morning I wake up today, starting today, that I think today could be my last day. Like the older I get, maybe that becomes more of a reality. <laughs> but isn't there, isn't there a true genuine joy that comes from knowing that whatever comes, we can have peace that we're simply stepping into eternity with our Savior, Jesus Christ. What would Jesus say to you right now if He was leaving? Don't be afraid of how you're going to take care of yourself. Pay your bills. Go to work. Serve God. Be a wise steward of all that He's entrusted to you. And He will give you everything you need. Don't be afraid that if you have cancer, listen, He can heal you. Either on this side or that side. I'm, I'm not going to promise you God is going to heal your cancer and you're going to live forever because I promise you, you will die at some point. I mean, even the people that came back to life under the ministry of Jesus died again. <laughs> they died twice. You will die. But you can have hope. We can certainly pray for healing. And God has all authority and can do that. I, I am a cessationist, but I can promise you I pray for healing for people every day of my life. I just trust that He is able to do it when He chooses to do it. And if He doesn't choose to do it, then He's still God and He's still sovereign and He's still good. Because at some point, we're going to die. We don't get mad at God when we die at 100 years old, do we? Oh, God, you took them too soon. Right? But we're going to die. He has the right. He has the authority. He's sovereign. I don't want to go anywhere. I want to see my kids grow. I want to see all of them strong, godly men and women and put their faith in Christ, which all of them have, but I want to see them married. I want to experience grandchildren. But God has all right and authority to take me home when He chooses because I am not my own. And I can live with that peace. Can you? My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give. Don't be fearful. Rather trust in God. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understandings, but in what? All of your ways acknowledge Him and He will make straight your path. It may seem very crooked, but I promise you it's straight to God. Let your heart not be troubled nor fearful. Literally, the verb here means don't be a coward. Because when you walk in fear, you're cowardly. 
And God hasn't given you a spirit of fear. The Spirit of God lives in you. Think about that for a minute. He lives in you. You are the temple of God. That should grant you great peace and comfort to know that no matter the circumstances in which you face, you can face them with boldness. They are upset. They're worried that Christ was leaving. And that really doesn't set well with them. Many times we walk through this life and we face difficulties and we ask the question, why has God left me? Why has God abandoned me? But He promises to never leave us nor forsake us. And we just looked at Daniel as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walked through the fiery furnace and Jesus was with them. He will be with you through your trials and through your tribulations. He knows everything that's happening in your life. We don't invite Christ to this gathering. He's in this gathering. He doesn't need permission to show up. He indwells every believer. (laughs) He's here. He's in you. If you put your faith in Christ. So listen, we we must understand the nature of peace, the source of peace. But finally, and I'm about to land this plane, we need to understand thirdly, the channel of peace. Now, I love fishing. You ought to know that by now. You probably heard a lot more about that now that I have a boat. (laughs) But for 15 years, I didn't. So I didn't talk about it that much. But I love fishing. I love the fellowship, the camaraderie. And many times as I traveled in Louisiana, they have these big ships that come in through the channels. And these channels are designed for one purpose, to give them visuals and ability to access the port. Those channels are deep and they're wide. But listen to me. Those ships must stay within the parameters of that channel because that channel is what guides and directs them to port. I want you to know and understand this morning. If you want peace... And you want a peace, a real, biblical, genuine, perfect peace. Then it comes through the channel of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You cannot experience the peace of God until you are at peace with God. And until you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ alone for salvation, you will never experience the perfect peace of God. Because it begins when you are born again. When you are justified. When you are redeemed. When you are born again and He comes to take up residence in you, He will grant you that peace. Listen, Jesus Christ is your channel to peace. And that's why He can say in 2 Thessalonians 3.16, May the Lord of peace Himself give you peace at all times and in every way. He is indeed your channel of peace, my friends. You can bank on it. But you have to be in Christ. So can I ask you today, have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? Well, thank you for listening to our program today. 
We pray that you are blessed and trust that you will join us again. If you do not have a church home, Pastor Stuart Guthrie would like to personally invite you to join in person at Family Bible Fellowship in Early Branch, South Carolina, or you can visit them on their website at familybiblefellowship.org. May God bless you this week as you walk with him.